Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted that you are listening today. I hope you enjoyed episode 250 with Michelle, where we talk all about dog training because it's kind of the wild, wild west and it's unregulated. So in today's episode, I want to talk about some of the details of modifying behavior. Behavior modification is something that I am very well versed at, and I want to just kind of offer a new, fresh perspective today. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you about some other things we have going on at A Good Feeling Dog Training. So we are hosting another consent and care workshop, which will be happening in March. This is a live virtual workshop. So that means that you can work your dog. Uh, You'll just have your camera and your computer set up so that we can see you, we can see your dog, and we'll coach you in real time. Uh, The consent and care protocol is something that I'm very, very passionate about, and it has been so much fun to watch so many of our clients execute the consent and care protocol and really be able to train it for real life. So if your dog struggles at the vet, if your dog struggles with handling, if your dog struggles with grooming, a consent and care protocol could be just what you need. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes so that you can learn more about the consent and care workshop. Not only do we have working spots, but we also have auditing spots also. So auditing spots, you'll join us live. You're just not going to work your dog, but you can ask questions. And then everyone who enrolls in the consent and care workshop gets access to our framework for consent and care, um, our proven system. And we have training videos and all of that that you get access to as well. In addition to the consent and care workshop, we are doing a recall training challenge in March. So if you have been meaning to train a recall, maybe you thought you had a strong recall, but you seeing your dog's recall not actually work. We want to invite you to join us in March. We are going to be hosting three live calls. So you will invest in trustworthy recalls. And in addition to the entire course that you get lifetime access to, you're going to get three opportunities to talk with Steph and I live about what's going on with your dog and your recall and really how to utilize our training plan to um, really just ensure that your dog's recall is going to improve and be trustworthy like you want it to be. And for those of you who already have trustworthy recalls, maybe you invested in trustworthy recalls, but you haven't had the time to work on it. Everyone who's already join trustworthy recalls is also going to get access to join us in the recall training challenge. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, during the three week challenge, which is happening in March, we're going to have three calls. They're going to be on Saturdays. Um, I'm also going to be training Spicy's recall. So you can watch how I'm doing it and get your questions answered. And I'm really looking forward to it. The reason we're doing it in March is so that as we get closer to spring and summer, well, where we live, I know that not everyone has the same seasons as we do, but as we get into spring and summer when there's probably going to be more opportunities for the dogs to be off leash. We know that their recall is where we need it to be. So like I was saying, um, in today's episode, I want to talk about behavior modification and I want to explain it. I want to offer a new perspective because so many of my clients are so frustrated because 
society dog training, the dog training industry has really done the general public a disservice because there's so many like quick fix training videos and all of that stuff that's going viral. And it really just disregards the fact that modifying behavior is really, really challenging and can take a lot of time and energy and quick fixes are anything but quick. (laughs) They're actually probably going to put you behind in the long run. So I hope that I can offer a new perspective for you all today. And for those of you who have dogs who can be reactive, maybe you have a dog who can be aggressive, maybe you have a dog with separate anxiety and you like you are in the trenches of behavior modification I hope that this will be reassuring for you that you are in fact on the right track so when I'm looking at behavior modification I'm looking at a couple of things so one I'm looking at how long has this dog been displaying practicing rehearsing the behavior we're trying to modify okay how long has that been happening because oftentimes Clients come to me and dogs have been practicing, rehearsing, displaying unwanted behavior for years, years and years, and they want me in two sessions to help them modify their dog's behavior. And I'm always very clear and upfront about like, if your dog has been displaying a behavior you're not in love with for like a week or two and it just came up, behavior modification is going to go so much faster. But if you have a dog who's been, I don't know, fence fighting, for example, for four years and you want to decrease the fence fighting right away, well, good luck to you, okay? Because for better or worse, behaviors that are practiced and rehearsed over and over and over again get stronger and stronger and stronger, which means when we're looking at behavior modification, we're going to have to have realistic timelines on what it's going to take to modify a behavior that your dog has been practicing for years and years and years, right? Some of you have the luxury of having puppies like me where we can do so much prevention so that we don't have to do a ton of behavior modification, okay? So I want to give you a specific a specific example on prevention here. So I have a wonderful um, family that I'm working with right now, and they have a Jack Russell Terrier puppy, and they have a neighbor dog, and this puppy has just recently started to engage in some fence fighting at uh, in their backyard, okay? The dog has done it a total of two times, and my suggestion to them was prevention. We need to use a leash. We need to prevent him from practicing and rehearsing this behavior because the more he practices and rehearses, the further we get from him being able to be in the backyard and not fence fight with that neighbor dog. With the young dogs, we really have this opportunity to do a ton of prevention, okay? And when we can do that prevention, then we have really we have so much more probability of preventing dogs from doing these behaviors going forward. But if we were to let this puppy every day engage in the fence fighting, every single day that he practices it, we get another day further from him being able to be in the backyard and not do it, okay? So as much as we can prevent behavior, we we really, it's in our best interest to do that, preventing them from rehearsing and practicing behaviors we're not in love with. I wanna give you another example on this prevention because as many of you know, I live with a puppy right now. And something that we utilize a lot is the crate as prevention from mischievous behaviors in our absence. Okay, so by utilizing the crate when Spicy is alone now, we're preventing her from practicing, rehearsing, having fun, getting into mischievous behaviors, right? So, 
eating plants, knocking things off of counters, chewing things she shouldn't be chewing. So we're taking a complete prevention route so that when she's older, she's more mature, she's better of making better choices, then we can leave her loose. But if I started leaving her loose today, she would get into mischief every single day. And every single day that she practiced mischief, I would be getting further and further from her being able to be loose when alone and not get into mischief. So, so much of behavior modification can be avoided if we can use prevention first. Obviously, not all of you have the opportunity to have a young puppy that you can do all this prevention. Sometimes you adopt an adult dog who maybe already has been practicing these behaviors long before they came to you, but that is when we utilize a management strategy. Okay, a management strategy being what can we do in the short term that is not training at all to decrease the likelihood of the behavior. And this is something that I get a lot of pushback on from my clients because they're like, well, isn't this just a Band-Aid? Well, like, yeah, we need a Band-Aid for now because this dog has been practicing a behavior we don't want them to do for years and years and years. And if we don't use this Band-Aid, we are never going to successfully modify behavior, right? So management is something that we have to do especially with the animals who have been practicing, displaying, rehearsing behaviors we're not in love with for a long time, okay? So the first thing I'm looking at is how long has the animal been doing this? Can we possibly prevent it if we have not been able to prevent it and use prevention? How can we use management, okay? And I think that thankfully, thanks to social media, I do feel like management is something that more of my clients are absorbing and understanding, but it's so important because you can't modify behavior. You can't be in like a full-on behavior modification session with your dog every moment of every day, okay? Ideally, we're doing these behavior modification setups in a short amount of time. We're doing them just a couple minutes, and then we're using management the rest of the day to prevent the dog from continuing to practice the behavior, okay? When we're looking at modifying behavior, the second major thing that I'm looking at, in addition to how long the animal has been doing it, is what is the function of the behavior? I think that it's really easy to get frustrated at dogs and be like, for the love of God, could you stop doing whatever you are doing, right? Fill in the blank, jumping, barking, chewing, mouthing, biting. And we don't always take the time to realize that all behavior has a function, all behavior has a function. All your behavior has a function. All your dog's behavior has a function. And if we disregard that, that is going to inhibit how successfully we can modify behavior. So when we're looking at the function of the behavior, I'm looking at a few things, right? What is the emotional fuel for this? Many of you who have worked with me, you know this, we've asked the question, what is the function of the behavior? And a lot of times it's a huge emotional fuel. A lot of fear, a lot of frustration, um, a lot of inability to cope with those emotions. That can be a huge driving factor for a behavior. So when I'm looking at modifying an animal's behavior, it's up to me to understand what is the function of the behavior. Because if the animal's really, really fearful, that is going to greatly influence how I modify the behavior, right? And I think it's also worth saying here that not all dogs' brains are functioning, firing in a normal way. 
And a lot of times when we're trying to do behavior modification sessions, I have to look at, is this animal emotionally, behaviorally stable enough for this behavior modification session to be successful? A lot of times behavior modification fails because we don't have an animal with the cognitive capacity and ability to think, process, and learn in the behavior modification setup. Sometimes that's just an age range. Sometimes that is some sort of mental um, clinical issue, right? So chronic anxiety, other thing, um, amongst those other things, but we have to look at the function of the behavior. And if we want to have an, an effective behavior modification session, we have to make sure that the dog's brain is capable of doing so. Something else that we're looking at when it comes to the function of the behavior is a lot of things are instinctual. Right. So I I deal with a lot of prey drive. I deal with a lot of dogs who are displaying behaviors that are genetically hardwired. Right. So uh, hurting, um, hurting behaviors, prey behaviors, right, chasing animals and stuff like that. When we're looking at the function of the behavior, sometimes it's hardwired. And when we're looking at instinctual behaviors that are hardwired, modifying those behaviors is going to be wildly unsuccessful if we don't have management in place to prevent them from practicing or rehearsing those behaviors, okay? So I think that Prey drive is something that's important to me because as many of you know, I spend a lot of time hiking in nature and I love to let the dogs be off leash. And really the biggest hiccup in that is prey drive, right? So something that if possible, you want to prevent your dog from rehearsing the behavior of chasing animals as much as you possibly can while we work on modifying that behavior. But if you don't have the opportunity to do that prevention, the behavior modification is going to be a longer process because we're up against an already existing history of one using their instincts and two being it two using those instincts being successful. Another function of behavior sometimes is just a habit, right? We all get into habits and routines, sometimes intentionally, some sometimes unintentionally. And when we're looking at those habits, sometimes that's just the function of the behavior. It's just a habit. They've been doing it. And when we're looking at trying to modify a behavior that's been a habit, that's when we're really looking at a, a long I don't want to say long per se, but it's going to be a slow and steady behavior modification protocol, not something we're going to be able to do super quickly, right? And many of you who've worked with me have heard me say that if I had magic training dust, I would give it to you. I would. I would give it to you. I would just let you have it for free. But that is not the way that it works. When we're modifying behavior, if it's one behavior that you're not in love with, that your dog has practiced once or twice, behavior modification is going to be really successful really fast. But if it's a behavior that your dog has been practicing for a long time and they're really good at, your behavior modification plan is going to be slower. It's going to be a longer training plan. Um, and if you're not using management, it's probably not going to be successful. So when we're looking at modifying behavior, we always want to look at what can we do management-wise first, and then what can we do in a behavior modification plan to successfully get to the outcome. 
So I want to give you an example here of a, a modification plan. And this is actually for me, right? This is even for a dog. So um, the the behavior that I want to modify is mindlessly scrolling on my phone. I'm sure many of you can relate to this um, because phones are made to be looked at and continuously looked at. So I want to modify the behavior. I want to decrease how frequently I'm just mindlessly scrolling on my phone. So first and foremost, I'm setting up a management plan. And you know what that management plan is? I am sitting down on the couch and my phone is in the other room with the door closed. That's that's my first that's my first plan, right? I'm going to manage the environment because I have a long history, years and years and years of scrolling, 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 scrolling for a long duration of time. So because that's my history with the behavior, I have to use a management plan first and foremost, right? So that's my management plan, first and foremost, right? And then my behavior modification plan is to be more intentional when I'm looking at my phone. So when I'm looking at my phone, I'm doing my best to interact with people on Instagram, create new content, check in with some of my friends and family on social media, and then I'm putting the phone down, okay? So I'm trying to not only change the way I interact with my phone, but also make it so that I don't have my phone in my hand as frequently so that I am less likely to practice the behavior of mindlessly scrolling. This is something that's been really successful for me, right? I'm able to more intentionally look at my phone. I'm more intentionally able to intentionally um, give and um, connect with people via scrolling on my phone and social media, but I'm not doing it mindlessly and against my greater good. Okay, but this plan would not be successful if I wasn't removing myself from the phone. Okay, and I think that it's so easy for us to be like, okay, well, the dog is doing this and I need it to stop and we need it to stop right away. And I think that that's why punishment and punishment based training is still prevalent is because we want quick fixes. We want easy solutions. But I think that it's important to empathize with how challenging it can be to modify your own behavior when you're looking at trying to modify your dog's behavior, right? If you can't even modify a simple behavior that you've been trying to modify for yourself, how can we expect to do it super quickly with your dog, right? Like that is absolutely unrealistic and that's setting everyone up for success. And when it comes to using punishment, that is not behavior modification. That's actually behavior suppression, right? So when we're looking at punishing behaviors we don't want, we're basically ignoring how long they've been doing it. We've been, we're ignoring what the function of the behavior is, and we're really only interested in a quick fix. But, The quick fix isn't actually quick because suppressing behavior does not lead to long-term change in behavior. All it leads to is a suppression of behavior, right? That behavior isn't going away. We're just suppressing it. So what's, what really happens so frequently is that when we use heavy punishment to try and decrease a behavior, we actually see 
short-term results, meaning that the punishment works right away. But the problem being is that a week, two weeks, three weeks, fill in the blank time-wise later, the behavior actually gets worse and stronger because we haven't actually addressed the function of the behavior. We haven't actually addressed a successful management plan. And then we start to see the behavior come back full force, stronger, more intense than ever. And because animals are emotional beings, sentient beings, because our dogs have a lot of feelings and emotions, that actually using heavy punishment actually inhibits behavior modification going forward because we don't have a dog who is motivated to learn. They're not willing to engage because they've experienced so much punishment. So I think that it's really unfair and it's really unethical from where I sit to be using heavy punishment as labeled as a behavior modification plan because punishment doesn't modify behavior, right? Punishment suppressed behavior. And good behavior modification is twofold. One, it acknowledges what the function of the behavior is for the dog. It acknowledges how long, where, when the dog has been displaying, practicing, rehearsing the behavior. And we look at putting management in place right away to make sure that we can prevent the dog from continuing to practice and display. And then we look at what other behaviors can we teach? Do we need to use classical conditioning here? Do we need just to change the way they feel? Do we need to teach an incompatible behavior? Do we need to teach them another behavior they can do in place of the unwanted behavior? But without those things, we're not going to have a successful behavior modification protocol. So I want to I want to give you another example of behavior modification. So I have a fantastic client right now and they have a young working line bird dog. The challenge is the dog has been jumping the fence to chase rabbits, okay? This is something that the dog has unfortunately practiced for a couple of months now, okay? So unfortunately it's been really reinforcing for the dog because they get over the fence and they're able to get to the rabbits. So when we're looking at how do we modify this behavior, management has to be our first protocol. So what we did is we implemented a tie out. So when the dog is in the backyard, the dog is on a tie out. So they do not have any opportunities to jump the fence because every single time this dog has an opportunity to jump the fence, we are another day, another step away from successfully modifying this behavior. Okay. In addition to using the tie out to prevent the dog from jumping over the fence, we're working on a couple of other skills. One, we're working on the value of disengaging from a rabbit. We're working on a leave it behavior. We're working on a recall. So we're training several different behaviors that are going to be useful for modifying this, but none of those are actually going to be successful if we don't first and foremost prevent the dog from continuing to jump the fence, right? Another thing that we're looking at is giving this dog some appropriate outlets for that prey drive. So we're using a flirt pole. We're doing more scent games, right? And it's not... It's not spectacular. It's not, um, it's not fancy, right? Nothing here is like what you would expect to see in a TV show about dog training, right? All of this is just the slow, long plan, right? And we need more time of this dog not jumping the fence 
to compete with how long the dog was able to jump the fence and be successful at that, right? So I have to be really clear and honest with my clients that the dog being on the tie out in the backyard is going to have to last at least as long as how frequently the dog was jumping the fence before, right? And I will say that this dog is very smart, very motivated. So all the other behaviors we're working on, right? Disengaging from rabbits, responding to leave it, responding to recall. All of those behaviors are really improving in likelihood. But that would be all for nothing if the dog had the opportunity to continue to jump the fence every day. So when we're looking at behavior modification training plans, there's so much more to it than actually modifying behavior, right? Like doing a a counter conditioning training session, right? There's all these other pieces and parts that go into that, right? Sometimes, I will be honest, I do find that sometimes my clients can come up with these behavior modification plans and execute them really well, but oftentimes I am the one who's called in, right? Because they need my support so I can help them understand we have to have all of these pieces in place to effectively make this happen. So if you are trying to modify one of your dog's behaviors, I want you to show some empathy for them because I want you to think about a time where you've tried to modify your behavior and that has been really challenging, not immediate, and has taken time and energy to get there. The same is true for our dogs, okay? There are no immediate quick fixes when it comes to behavior modification with the exception of a dog who practiced one behavior one time and we were able to get in there and modify that right sometimes with like the puppies and the adolescent dogs we can have really quick behavior modification success but with dogs who have been practicing behaviors for a long time there's nothing quick about it it's it's slow it's small successes does it lead to long-term success health yes it does right we get there but I want you to resist the urge to buy into immediate results when it comes to modifying a living breathing emotional creature's behavior because that's not the way that it works and I want to encourage you to say no to heavy punishment for all of the reasons that I've said right because that is not actually modifying behavior. That's only suppressing behavior. And that is only going to make your issue worse, more intense in the long run, right? So please avoid things that you think are just going to be immediate fixes using punishment, right? So like penny cans, squirt bottles, e-collars, prong collars, all of those things fall under like the aversive like punishers that you think work immediately, but ultimately are just going to shoot you in the foot in the long run. So everyone, I love behavior modification. I live for these slow, thoughtful behavior modification training plans. I love them. They're my favorite. I love creating them. But I think it's important to note here that a skilled trainer is going to acknowledge not only the dog in this equation, but also you, your lifestyle, your life, your routine, your work schedule, all of those things. So a good trainer is going to make sure that these behavior modifications work for you, right? It should feel easy. I have some lovely clients right now that we're doing a a behavior modification protocol with, and it's one of those that at first when they invested in training, they were feeling kind of overwhelmed, right? Like, am I actually going to be able to pull this off? Oh my God, what's involved in all of this? And the behavior modification protocol that I've given them includes several minutes of training a day. So less than 10 minutes, right? That's the behavior modification protocol. We're using some management and they're implementing it every day. And my clients are like, 
this is so easy. This is so doable. So that is how your, your trainer should be setting up behavior modif- modification protocols for you. It should feel easy. <laughs> it should feel attainable. And it should not involve a ton of time and huge, well, sometimes it requires huge changes. Not always though. So um, I just want to encourage you to If your trainer feels like they're giving you a behavior modification protocol that one, heavily involves punishment or two, just does not seem doable in your life, just seek out the help of another trainer. The brilliant thing about this day and age is that there are so many good trainers. Oh, I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of just a collective of so many extraordinary dog trainers and behavior um, behavior consultants and veterinary behaviorists. So if you don't feel like you're getting what you need from your trainer in your behavior modification protocol, please just seek out the help of another trainer. If you are struggling with a specific behavior with your dog that you would like to modify, we are accepting new clients right now. We're accepting both virtual and in-person clients. So shoot us an email, support at agfdogtraining.com, and we will give you an idea of how we can help you. So everyone, I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope it, it gave you a new perspective on modifying behavior. And like I mentioned, if you have any interest in training a consent and care protocol, or you'd like to work on your dog's recall, please join us in March in both of those. So everyone have a beautiful weekend, smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.